Welcome to the Eclectic Readers Podcast, where you can't always judge a book by its genre. I'm Meredith. I'm Susan. I'm Jeanette. Hi, ladies. How are you today? Hey, hey. Hello. Uh, I think we all came to a consensus when we logged on to Skype as we are all tired. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. For different reasons, but tired. (laughs) Yeah. it was it's been a it's been and going to be a weekend of birthdays. Um my oldest daughter's been invited to two birthday parties this weekend. So one yesterday, one today. And then it is also husband's birthday. We celebrated last night. Yay. Um Yay. Which is why I am tired. <laughs> <laughs> um but we went to this delicious restaurant. Um it's Asian Fusion. And Oh man, like I had um, Thai crab fried rice. Whoa! And then, yeah, and then that David sounds very tasty. It's so delicious. And David had a lobster and prawn ramen. Nice. Also sounds very tasty. Yeah, it's like we don't normally like splurge on the expensive stuff, but we did not regret this decision this time. <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> And it's like, you know, when you go out, it's like you want to go to a place you don't, you're not going to want to take your kids to, you know? Yeah. Yes. True. So, um, yeah, it's, it's delicious. I'm going to plug Ace Eat Serve right here. <laughs> it's very <laughs> delicious if you happen to be in the Denver area. <laughs> <laughs> so how are you, Jeanette? I am doing well. Um, I'm still riding a high from last week's Nova Teen Book Fest. Meredith and I went, and it was so much fun. We met so many cool authors. We'll talk more about it in a little bit, but it yeah. was so much fun, and everybody was, awesome. was so nice. Mm-hmm. Um, they really were. I mean, that shouldn't be a surprise that authors are nice, but they really are. <laughs> they really, really are. Like, I'm just, uh, it's been great. All I can like think about this week is how much I want to read all of their books. Because they're so nice. Um, And then yesterday, Daniel and I celebrated our wedding anniversary. So, yeah. So that was fun. And we, you know, were able to get a babysitter. And we went out to dinner. And like you said, you want to go out somewhere where you can't bring the kids. So we went out and had like a nice dinner in D.C. And after we had our nice dinner, which was amazing... We just kind of walked around the city, which we haven't done since we were dating. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it was so fun because it's one of those times where if somebody asked us, how did you spend your anniversary? We would say like, well, we literally spent an hour just walking. But like, I love walking around D.C. We actually did that, too. We we were like, we're so full. We need to walk. So we walked the 16th Street Mall. Yeah, it's just it's it was nice. So we did that. We enjoyed um, one of the wine bars in the city. Just kind of sat there. It was it was really sweet. It was fun. I had a good time. And then, you know, I am a little tired this morning, but that's okay. In one week, we'll be having spring break. Woohoo! So I'm thinking of having a readathon for myself somewhere during that week. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Do that. Yeah. <laughs> Readathon not sponsored by eclectic readers, but I encourage everybody to join me anyway. Spring, <laughs> spring break readathon. <laughs> exactly. 
What about you, Mayor? How you doing? Ah, uh, well, as we said, we're all tired. I, I feel like I'm tired <laughs> for a few different reasons, but I'm going to blame it on that I'm just still tired from my trip to Ireland with Tara and our husbands because it was amazing, but mm-hmm. it was not relaxing in the least. You <laughs> <laughs> did a lot of stuff, which is great. We <laughs> yeah, yeah, we fit a lot into a week, but it was it was just fantastic. I mean, even... Even when I was there looking at things with my eyes, it was just like, how is this even real? It's so beautiful. This can't be real. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was amazing. Uh, but it <laughs> was a awesome. lot. <laughs> you know what? At least we're all tired for really good reasons. Yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah. Good times. Good memories. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about current things. Um, have you been putting any reading in? During all this good times? Like, Meredith, did you get any reading in (laughs) during your trip? (laughs) uh, That would be a no. (laughs) Well, actually, I think I got a few pages read on the flight home because that wasn't an overnight flight. Um, But guess how many books I read in March? I read one book. Oh, the book we're going to discuss because I had to finish it. See, I did not guess because I knew that answer. Well, (laughs) I was not cheating. (laughs) Yeah, I can't remember the last time I only read one book in a month. So, uh, yeah. Um, So obviously I got that finished. But so far this month, I have started The Dire King by William Ritter. And that is the fourth and final book in the Jacobi series, which is kind of a uh, a Sherlock of the paranormal, mm-hmm. I guess is how I like to describe it. Yep. And it's a lot of fun. And I'm excited to kind of see how they wrap up the storyline. The stakes are pretty high at the moment, so we'll see. Uh, so I'm reading that. And then I'm doing a reread of The Lies of Locke Lamora mm-hmm. by Scott Lynch. And I'm doing that by audiobook. And so far, the narrator is fantastic. And it's so nice to be back with these these crazy hooligans and their witty banter and their just ridiculous heists that they're always trying to get away with. And um, it's it's a high fantasy adult book. And it's set in kind of a fantastical Venice, which is a really interesting backdrop for the story. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping, I've read the first and second book before, so I wanted to do rereads of those two this year so I could get to the third one at some point this year. That's awesome. So that's I what remember, I'm working on. I remember liking that one. We read that years ago. Yeah, we read yeah. that with the book club years ago, yeah. and it was just so much fun. And I knew I was definitely in a book slump from not reading anything, so mm-hmm. I thought a, a fun reread might help me get out of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really fun one. I think we read that one right before we started podcasting. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a bummer because that would make a fun podcast. So That it would. Special special episode note. Let's write that down. (laughs) (laughs) We can totally do like reread episodes. (laughs) Yeah. It would be so cool. People love that. Right, guys? Um, More reading. Yeah. And I I liked the first one and the second one. The second one without – any spoilers whatsoever features um, really cool lady pirates. Yes. And oh, so, nice. Yeah. So that was really fun. It's so like really... more it, It's like more hijinks now with pirates. <laughs> yes. 
So I, yeah, I want to read the third one too. See where that goes. And I also want to finish the Jacoby series. So right now I'm like, Meredith, I'm so jealous of your reading. Well, you know, I do what I can. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, your readathon's coming up. You got time. (laughs) It's true. It's true. I just have a lot of books to read, as we always do. (laughs) So what are you reading, Jeanette? (laughs) Um, I just finished Archie Volume 6. So I have finished all the Archies that are currently out. And I'm sad about this because I love the Archies. And I finished The Deceivers by Kristen Simmons, who was one of the authors that we saw. And she was so nice. And this book is really cool. Um, It's about a high school for con artists. And the main character, she kind of gets recruited in a roundabout way. And now she's in this high school for con artists. And she takes this opportunity because she's trying to get out of her bad neighborhood with her um, jerk of a step he's I guess he's her stepdad he's her mom's boyfriend and trying to get away from the way he treats her and her mom and all she has to do is pull this con job and spy on this politician's son for the headmaster of the school but of course when you're going to school with everyone who's a con artist there's lots of like twists and you know hijinks, mm. as Meredith put it. So that sounds fun. It that is. Does it's sound super fun. fun. Yeah, it's super fun. Like I said, the author she was so nice when I went to get my book signed. She, w- I was telling her about teaching and everything, and she was like, "I do Skype visits with schools," and I was like, oh, "My kids would love this. That's so, cool." Yeah, yeah. So I hope fun. you get to set that up. That would be mm-hmm. so much fun. I do, too. So if I get it set up, I will keep people posted because it's really nice. Um, And so now I'm currently working on The Girl with the Red Balloon by Catherine Locke, who is another author that we met. And um, that one is about it's a it takes place in three different timelines. It's about a girl from the present day who time travels back to the 1980s in Berlin and she is stuck in East Germany right before the Berlin Wall came down. Fascinating. And yeah, but the third timeline is her grandfather's timeline which takes place in 1941 when he was Jewish during World War II. And he, his family had to move out of Berlin, I want to say. Mm-hmm. It and, sounds like such an interesting concept. I'm really excited yeah. to hear how you like it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really interesting concept so far. It, you know, it's a World War II book. So there's definitely very thought-provoking and sad uh, sometimes. But it's also kind of like, it's got some like interesting and magical aspects to it. Like, she travels by balloon. That's why it's called The Girl with the Red Balloon. (laughs) And there's this magic that has to do with traveling through space and time with these balloons. And it's really interesting. And I'm only about halfway through it. So not all the magic has been revealed. And there's definitely something else more sinister going on. But I don't know what it is yet. So Mm -hmm. it'll be fun. And the other thing I'm working on when I need, like... 
something a little bit lighter. <laughs> I'm working on The Crush Collision by Danielle Ellison. Um, I just finished her other book, and this is part of the same series. Her other book is called The Sweetheart Sham, and this is the second part of that. And she writes these books that are set in this town called Color, and it's in South Carolina. And it's one of those like small towns where everybody knows each other. And it's got a very like Gilmore Girls, Stars Hollow kind of vibe to it. And um, she's another one that we met and like I talked to her. I told you I want to read all the books of all the authors we met. <laughs> um, but she like did that on purpose too. And I was like, oh, I totally saw that. There's like a definite Stars Hollow vibe to this. And so these are like, these are YA romances that she's writing. And they're super, super cute. The characters are really cute and sweet. And I'm just enjoying them. Nice. It's Yay. fun reading all the YA books. <laughs> What about you, Susan? What are you reading? So right now, um, I am reading Bel Canto by Anne Patchett. Um, this is a book I saw a lot on Let's See. Yeah, I've definitely heard yeah. of it. haven't read it myself. But. Yeah, and um, it's not normally a book I read because it's um, centered around a terrorist group taking over a dinner concert um, for Soprano, but it's actually really fascinating um, I'm only like on chapter two, <laughs> so. Oh, okay. Um, but it, it is really interesting, and, and trying, it's interesting to see like how it's all unfolding, and you kind of get like glimpses of the hostages' thoughts and like how they got there. So, um, I'm actually liking it so far. Um, I just I love the title, and I think the cover's so pretty. <laughs> it's like I'm gonna check this book out, and I think I got it at um library book sale too so always nice yeah it's like two bucks or something <laughs> um and then i was actually in between audiobooks because it was just before i knew what the next book was for the eclectic readers um and i was trying to wait for a hold at the library um so i was going through my audible list uh, because my husband and we i we have a family library so whatever he buys and i buy we see and I came upon Legend of Drizzt, The Collected Stories. Um, it's by R.A. Salvatore. He's very, very popular, like, Dungeons & Dragons fantasy writer. Um, yeah. And oh, okay. Drizzt is, like, his, like, super big character. Uh, I don't know much about it, but I, I've heard about it, especially through, like, mutual friends and stuff. Um, but this audiobook caught my interest because... Um, it's a collection of short stories read by like famous people and it's like nerdy famous people. <laughs> Always nice. <laughs> so like Felicia Day, Tom Felton, Sean Astin, Will Wheaton, and a few more like reads each story. Um, and it's like, well, I'm going to have to read this or listen to it because there's all these famous people reading it. <laughs> so um, it's actually not bad. It's, some of the stories really piqued my interest, which kind of wants makes me want to go and read the actual series, you know? Oh, well, that's cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, Will Wheaton, right? Like, he's a good narrator. He um, is. They, they actually, all of those sound like they would be good narrators. Yeah. Yeah. Tom Felton was really good. Um, the one I wasn't quite sure of was Ice-T. <laughs> Ice-T? <laughs> yes. <laughs> He was one, which I think is so cool, but it's like when I was listening, I was like, okay, it's, it's 
it's a little too slow for my taste, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't bad. It was just not what I prefer in an audiobook narrator. So, um, but yeah, I was like, I'm kind of glad I'm reading this because this is so interesting. <laughs> um, and then there was another narrator. I can't, Greg Grunberg, I think. He made his voice like super oh, yeah. gravelly. I didn't really like that either. So, um, but yeah, so I'm reading that. But then, of course, I just got the email that the audiobook I was reading for is now in. So of course. <laughs> I don't know how they do it, man. (laughs) Their timing is just impeccable. It is. Every single time. Um, And I did want to note that like uh, just before this, I just finished House on Mango Street and When Dimple Met Rishi. Um, Both of those are fun. I definitely wanted to bring up When Dimple Met Rishi because we're going to talk about it later. (laughs) Um, But the House on Mango Street was fascinating. Um, not the usual book I read wasn't quite what I expected, but it was interesting. And I am, I am glad I read it. Um, it's like a good glimpse into like a different culture, a different way of life, you know, mm-hmm. than yeah. the standard. Um, and then when Dibble met Rishi was just absolutely adorable. <laughs> wasn't it so cute? Yes. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> um, but before we go into detail with that, uh, there was an announcement. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Yes. yes. So it's April. Um, and we're having an eclectic spring break this month. Not a readathon, just no, a spring just... break. <laughs> yes. Um, we'll have a whole week of episodes for you to listen to, starting with this episode on April 15th, followed by four special episodes, one each day. So we'll take you all through Friday. Something interesting yes. each day. Yes, we're so excited. Yes, and if you're wondering why I made such a big deal about all the authors that uh, whose books I was reading that I met, it's because Meredith and I interviewed these authors, and so (laughs) so you will hear from a lot of these people during that week. Yes, I'm excited. I cannot wait to listen to them. (laughs) Yes, and we apologize ahead of time for adding even more books to your TBR. No, not really. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but not really, yeah. <laughs> we suffer with you. Exactly. I'm adding books to my TBR as these authors are talking. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So it's all good, but I am excited. It'll be a nice spring break to liven things up, you know. So, yay. Big announcement. Yeah. I'm so, very excited. Yeah. Yeah. So with all these authors you interviewed and all the books you've been reading to prepare and whatnot, and we have had like this discussion before on and off um, about genres. And it is, it is a topic, apparently. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So let me kind of give like a big overview of the definition of genre um, of like what what it means today because like I was reading up on like entomology or or like the breakdown and mm-hmm. root word I'm like okay that's we don't have to go that deep <laughs> <laughs> um but with the genres um I found three good descriptions um from each perspective so like on the author's perspective it gives the author some boundaries to work with and focus on um 
which having a focus with almost anything is a good thing. Um, on the reader's perspective, it fulfills a reader's expectations, what they're going to get from this book. And from the publisher standpoint, booksellers, and it's a marketing tool, so booksellers know where to place the book, and publishers know how to market too. Um, so, do you ladies find that accurate? Do you think this is outdated? Well, I think what I'm slowly coming to realize from talking both with writers and readers is that it's not so simple as that. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I've been a reader my whole life, so I kind of always think of it as I, I want to read a romance book. So I'll look for a romance, and there's some romances that I like, and there are some that I don't, and I kind of narrow things down from there. Mm-hmm. And there's definitely times when if I'm expecting, you know, a really light fantasy and I get something more serious or dark or something like that, I'm like, but this didn't fulfill my genre expectations. <laughs> um, but talking to people, I'm realizing it's like not that simple. Um, one person that we spoke to last week um, was talking about how things like genre for writers can be more about marketing than they can be about the writing itself. Sometimes you just write the stories that come to you mm-hmm. and let the publisher and the marketing team worry about how to sell that, which genre to put that in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And some of them were like, I couldn't write in this genre. I, I, I would love to be able to write in this genre, but I don't think I could do it. Right. So or they I write think- in... Or they write in so many genres that their publisher is like, we don't even know what to do with you anymore. How do we market you as a brand when you keep writing in different genres? Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's good. Authors should write what they want to write. But at the same time, have having a certain focus sometimes will help them. Because there was one. I mean, I'll share all the articles that I looked up. There was one where it's like a letter from an author or something. It's like a mix of this and a blend of that with a touch of this and a magic of that. It's like, this seems a little all over the place, you know? Um, So I... Yeah. Go ahead. Which isn't necessarily bad, but it is. It's hard to say, well, then what shelf do I put this on? Yeah. You know, what what section of the bookstore or the library do genre bending books go into? And and then you have all of these subcategories, like mm-hmm. subgenres that are just there's yeah. so many. Yeah, and yeah. sometimes I like subgenres better than I like genres themselves because people will put something in a mystery section and it can be a mystery, it can be a suspense book, it can be a thriller. Mm-hmm. And that kind of all sometimes seems to fall under the category of mystery. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but sometimes I especially just want, a, you know, a mystery where it's not too gory. It's not too procedural. Right. It's not too messing with your mind. And I, you know, I go through this mood regularly where I want some, a mystery where I can solve it by reading the book, but I don't want, you know, I don't want to read how somebody was, you know, grossly murdered. 
Right. Right. And, you know, a few years back, I came across the term cozy mystery. Yes. And read like a description. And it was like, (laughs) it's like, well, Miss Marple books would fall under cozy mysteries. I'm like, I love Miss Marple. This is what I need. Like, so sometimes (laughs) subgenres are really helpful. And other times, you know, they're not. But subgenres, they get so specific sometimes. I know there's so many of them. Mm-hmm. They get really man, specific. Yeah, one article. Knowing that there's a cozy mystery section yep. helped me. <laughs> one article I shared actually had like a graph of the breakdown of the subgenres. <laughs> and there's like a dozen in each. <laughs> yeah. You know, like under fantasy, mm-hmm. there's like all these. It's, it looks like a periodic table. <laughs> It does. It's actually pretty cool. And it's color-coded. So, yes. you know, we're all <laughs> so, here for that. Yeah. yeah. Raising my hand. Y'all can't see me. But. <laughs> yeah. When it was interesting looking at that chart, I guess I hadn't ever really just stopped to think about it. But they have alternate history as a subgenre of science fiction. Mm-hmm. Which I was like, oh, I guess that, that does make sense. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> which is something we've struggled with. So. Yeah. Nice to know. Some people know where to place that. Yeah. <laughs> Which is nice because then, like, you know, um, if if a publisher will ask an author, like, well, who are you writing for? Who is this for? You know, um, it's nice for the author to, like, quickly be like, well, it's for this type of person who likes this, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I mm-hmm. think it's nice to have a quick way to describe something. I, the, another article was like, you know, you, you, we have to go through a book in like 10 seconds. We need a quick and easy way to get through them, you know, which is understandable. They get a ton of submissions a day. Um, oh, yeah. So, just, But then I still feel like at most bookstores, don't you pretty much just have fiction? It's just a huge, huge category and you have to kind of then go dig through it and figure out what you want. Sometimes, sometimes they have um, sections for the bigger, at least, you know, at my local Barnes & Noble, we don't have many uh, smaller bookstores in my area, but in my local Barnes & Noble, they'll have the major genres broken Mm -hmm. down. Like they have a sci-fi fantasy area. They have a romance area. Pretty sure they have a mystery thriller area, but I'd have to double check. But. They usually have a mystery, and then the thrillers are stuck in the mysteries. Sometimes yeah. they'll have thrillers. I've seen, like, thriller sections. Um, yeah, yeah I, I guess I mean more, like, contemporary and, um, mm-hmm. like, I guess, historical fiction and literary fiction. And, you know, I feel like all of those just kind of end up getting, like, thrown in together. You know where um, they do that? Um, I found in Barnes & Nobles, because I'm there a lot <laughs> is um the children's section mm. they don't break it down it's just no. all by author yeah in children's sections they at bookstores i notice they break it down more by age, age group mm-hmm. than they do by genre. actual genre yeah right you notice that you know that probably wasn't a bad thing for me as a kid because as a kid i kind of just took in everything i was trying to figure out what kind of stuff i liked what kind of stuff i didn't like right mm-hmm. so yeah. i would just and you at least knew take where in to go. everything yep. yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but along with that you know they also most places also have a section for the young adult books and usually that includes contemporary and fantasy and whatever else it does. Yeah. but True. because of that so many people 
talk about young adult or middle grade or whatever as a genre, and it's not. I mean, you could no. have a young adult fantasy or a young adult contemporary, young adult romance, mm-hmm. but just young adult itself is not a genre. <laughs> it's just right. an age no. category. Yeah. Right. Which is, I think, something... I think that's kind of where our conversation on this started, because... Um, we had a listener mention that to us on Twitter. Yeah. Um, and <clears throat> that's true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause but I, I think mean, we said it too, right? Like, Oh yeah. I love YA. And it's like, well, yeah. Kind of YA? And I do. And I <laughs> yeah. love YA books. I love YA books of many different genres. Right. I tend to, you know, yep. obviously gravitate towards some genres over others, mm-hmm. but you know, yeah. It is true that it's more of a a category of book than it is, mm-hmm. you know, a genre that tells me actually what is the topic that I'm reading. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It, again, it gives you an expectation of that they're going to have to go and like help to, you know, find something about themselves or mm-hmm. grow in some way or, you right. know, yeah. overcome which is, some sort of obstacle. Right. Yeah. Which is what I like about YA. I like the I because it's more of a category that's about finding yourself, you know, choosing the kind of person you want to be. And as somebody who works a lot with kids, that like really appeals to me, like seeing different versions of this story, Um, especially since it's something that I can recommend to my students. Mm -hmm. Say, hey, you want to read this book about con artists? Not that that helps you choose who you want to be hopefully but <laughs> but it's a really fun story about choosing who you want to be just as long as you take the message just get the message <laughs> but um yeah so that's kind of what appeals to me about it is that journey story mm-hmm. um i definitely love a good journey story we know that um but yeah. it does it it does get confusing for people sure well, and that's where genre-bending books have an issue, right? Like, nobody knows how to market it. <laughs> it's true. Nobody knows where, where to put, put it. This? Yeah. yeah. It can be tough, but genre-bending books can be so much fun. It's mm-hmm. just, it's harder to maybe know if you're going to like it or recommend it, or yeah. you, it's it's not as short and sweet as some types of recommendations might be you'd be like well it has this aspect but then it also has this and then it goes this way and <laughs> yeah yeah and honestly like i'm a person who wants to like go to the bookstore and i just i'll find it find it myself i can do it myself like one i can do it myself i know how to work a bookstore and two like the bookseller's busy <laughs> they're doing other stuff i don't want to go ask him like where can i find this book i thought it would be in this section it's like oh no you have to go to this section you know like i don't want to be a bother um but so this is um, I actually bought City of Ghosts a, um, a couple weeks ago because it was it's a perfect book for one of the girls I know um, who is a slightly advanced reader. She's she's like nine or something. It must be perfect for her. So I bought a copy. There was one copy at Barnes and Noble in the kids section. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. And it's such a good book, but booksellers will not buy that many copies if they don't know if it's going to sell. You know? Yeah. I mean, they don't want an overstock. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Or was there just one copy because so many people had bought it? Oh, I don't know. The shelves are pretty packed. (laughs) Oh, well. 
Like it wasn't tipped over or anything, you know? <laughs> so it's like, oh, there's only one. See, there should be more. <laughs> yeah. But also that was, well, no, I mean, I guess she has written in some uh, school age, you know, middle grade mm-hmm. stuff before. Yeah. But this is kind of her first big, I feel like, delve into middle grade. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess they're having to kind of feel it out just with any kind of, I mean, not that she's a new author, but a new author in that age category. Right. Yeah. Not genre. <laughs> but I think it is different for middle grade, I think. Um, different enough where they just don't know if it's going to sell. They don't know quite where to put it. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, those are my two things. It's like, you, you know, booksellers don't know how much to buy. And then, like, I don't I don't want to bother the bookseller. Like, where's this book that's supposed to be in sci-fi but is in fiction? <laughs> See, on the other hand, I, I actually looked up a book the other day. We were traveling with my daughter, and um, I looked up a book. I knew it happened to be in my Barnes & Noble. And I walked into where it should be and couldn't find it. I'm like, I can't find it. Bookseller! Yeah. (laughs) Please, I know it's supposed to be here. Um, Because I think, you know, that is part of what booksellers do. They know where these genre-bending books are supposed to be. Or they know where these books that are supposed to be on your shelves, they know where they're supposed to be. They know where to find them. They have their ways. Well, because, you know, they have to have a system (laughs) to put these genre-bending books, you know? They have to figure out a way. (laughs) And this wasn't even a genre-bending book. It was just an an unusual unusual request, I think, because there weren't that many of this kind of book. Right. Mm -hmm. But, and the bookseller was amazing. She... She walked me over to where it was supposed to be. She found it for me. And then when I was looking for, you know, another book from the same series, she walked me over to the other area where it could have been. Mm-hmm. And she went through the whole stack with me only to find that it wasn't there. And then she found it for me in the back. And I was like, you're awesome. <laughs> no, that's good. I know they know their job. Like the people I usually talk with are very nice, but it's like, I know you're trying to do other things. <laughs> yeah. So, but I know they don't, you know, they don't mind helping if somebody has like a good question. So I, I think they like actually sometimes it's, it's a, it can be a mystery for them too. They're like, Hmm. Oh, it's not here. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was kind of our situation where it was like, it should be here. Why isn't it here? We've looked through every book on this rack. Right. And then she was like, what if it hasn't been put out yet? Uh, and nice. she went to her computer and she's like, I'll be right back. So So, thanks, booksellers, for all you do. Exactly. (laughs) Yes. Exactly. So so we did get a couple responses on Twitter and Litzy, but I wanted to touch on one other thing because we kind of made fun of it, but it has been a thing for a little bit. (laughs) Um, And it is like in our time is like a genre that's trying to come through um, is new adult. Um, oh, poor, poor new adult. <laughs> <laughs> and this is for for readers between like the age of 18 and 23. Um, very much like coming into their own, into adulthood and finding themselves. 
Yeah, and I I could argue that it would be even a little bit older, but the thing is, I feel like there's a need for this because you go from the YA category, which you know usually stops at eighteen,、mm-hmm. and then where do you go? Like, what if I don't feel like reading about a forty year old divorcee trying to figure out her life with her three kids? <laughs> you know, I, <sighs> that's fair. Can we? You know, can we get something with some some you know kids out of well kids? Now I'm sounding old. Some kids out of coming out of college and、um, trying to find their way and starting with starting their own life and figuring out what the heck is adulting.、Mm-hmm. Um, spoiler alert: you never figure out what adulting、nope. really is. But、um, well, not so, so I, far anyway. <laughs> right. So I feel like there is a need for it, but it's just kind of crash and burned,、um, and it's turned into this just. Very specific romance kind of genre,、mm. which isn't bad, but there's so many other stories that could be told in that age range. Yeah, yep, definitely. Yeah, this can go to like any genre. Yeah, you know. And so, what's happening is, especially,、um, you know, authors that might already be popular with the young adult crowd, their older books that really should be adult, or if new adult was more of a thing, new adult are getting put into young adult. And I know one of them that people get really riled up over is、um, the Sarah J. Moss series, A Court、mm-hmm. of Thorns and Roses, <laughs> which、uh, I have not read yet because I'm still trying to finish her.、Um, Thrown a Glass series,、mm-hmm. which is tons of fun, and what、so、made her、fun. really famous. And so these, from what I understand, these books are like there's a lot of fairy sex,、um, <laughs> and apparently it's very explicit. But <sighs> the the publisher publishes it under their children's imprint, and. Oh man,、uh, it's, it's shelved in the young adult fantasy world, and、um, I'm just gonna say there was a book box that did something for one of these books, and、um, you can search this hashtag at your own peril.、Um, hashtag Soapgate,、uh, not safe for work, but、uh, it was、uh, <laughs> oh, an interesting controversy there for a while. <laughs> oh my goodness, yeah. Well, and I think part of the problem with the new adult section, the new adult genre, is that when somebody tells me they're recommending me a fantasy book, a mystery book, a romance, I know what to expect from that genre.、Um, if somebody tells me that they're recommending me、um, a middle grade book, I know. Okay, I might not know what genre this is. I know. Who it's for, though, right?、Mm-hmm. I know、yep. it's for kids in certain grades.、Mm-hmm. When you tell me you're giving me a new adult book, I don't actually know what new adult means. I don't think it's as self-explanatory as the other age categories. And I've been thinking about that. I'm like, new adult. Would I automatically assume that that means somebody new to being an adult? Right. I or would I assume like this is a new a kind of adult book? And what does that mean? Does it mean adult as in explicit, or does it mean adult as in not a book written for kids? Right,、mm-hmm. which is、right. also two different things. Yeah, I feel、that、like they、true. needed to do like a PSA for new adult. You know, <laughs> or like, maybe come up with a better name. 
Yeah. So I think it says in one of the articles that, like, apparently it was coined by a poll. Like, this one publisher was like, we need the name for this new category we thought of. And, like, they took a vote and, like, new adult won. <laughs> it's like, oh, my goodness. Well, that's one way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't think it's as self-explanatory as most genre titles or category titles. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of, that is part of the problem with marketing it is how do you market something that you have to explain every time you market it? Mm-hmm. Right. Honestly. Which I, yeah. oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, which I think is why you really don't see anything in this category. I think most of it is self-publishing at this point. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, even if they put in something more like college a, you know, adult or, you know what I mean? Like something a little like more dis- young professional. Yeah. Or, young yeah. professional or like older. No, not older, but just something that shows like more mature, more mature young adult, even like <laughs> MMYA. <laughs> mature young adult. <laughs> just something that's a little more descriptive than new adult for sure. Yeah. Until, yeah, I think until you get the the genre itself better defined and better explained, I think it's going to take a while for Mm -hmm. anybody to actually use it for what it's supposed to be used for. Yep. Yeah. Which apparently is fairy sex. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, you sold me on fairy sex. I said that before. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I'm going to be buying this book later. (laughs) I mean, Sarah J. Moss is a really fun writer, so... Yeah, I mean, honestly, I do want to read her books because I haven't read them yet. <laughs> yeah. I, I was sold on this book before I knew about the fairies book. The fairies <laughs> book. The fairy. Yeah. I I was sold on this book before I knew about the fairies. I'm just going to leave it there. <laughs> I can't talk. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, obviously, a lot of thoughts on genres. Um, but I did want to point out one response because I thought it was really interesting before we get on to our main read. Um, it's from at the at Bill the Wildcat. Um, he's pro genre because uh, he says it can help the reader in selecting a book. I used it to get I used to get irritated by literary books where the authors refuse to have their books classified as sci-fi or fantasy. But I've come to realize that it's not always about snootiness. Sometimes it's about providing the reader with realistic expectations. A book like The Time Traveler's Wife would probably disappoint the typical sci-fi fantasy reader because it's so much less about the fantastical elements. Genre provides a sort of shorthand. I think genre-bending books are hurt more on the other side of the book's journey to publication in finding an agent or publisher. Mike Chen and his agent Eric Smith struggled for two years to find a publisher for Here and Now and Then because some publishers found it too literary for a sci-fi press while others found it too sci-fi for a literary publisher. Finding a publisher who knows how to market a genre-bending book is one of the biggest challenges. And I think he got it right there. Yeah, he hit it right on the head. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think all of that is a really good point. Mm -hmm. Lots of really good points, actually. Yeah, I liked it a lot. I was like, yes, this. (laughs) Just copy-paste. Most of everywhere. (laughs) So we could have really just read that instead of rambling for uh I know, minutes, right? Huh? <laughs> Thanks, Bill, for making a concise answer for us. <sighs> and sorry, listeners, for rambling. We could have just told you what Bill said. I know. <laughs> just started with that. 
less talking on our our part, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, that is what we're here to I do. Know. So, <laughs> yep. So, why do we move on? So, to, we're going to talk about "Signal to Noise" uh, by Silvia Moreno Garcia. So, "Signal to Noise" is a book that takes place in Mexico City in two different timelines. On the one timeline, there's it's 1988, and Meche, who is 15 years old, discovers that she has magical abilities through the power of listening to music. And she brings in her two best friends, Sebastian and Daniela, to help her cast spells to improve their lives. Our other timeline is... 2009, so 21 years later, she is coming back to Mexico City to mourn her father, who has recently died, and she's reflecting upon all the magic that they cast and what went wrong. So, first question I'm going to ask, what was one thing that stood out to you in this book? I like the magic. Yeah. Yeah. That was about the only thing that stood out to me. <laughs> it was a really interesting way to use magic. Yep. But if we want something else to talk about, um, <laughs> to speaking of genres, I was kind of like, what genre is this? <laughs> I was kind of thinking about that, too. You know, I because I it. feel like, I think, Jeanette, did you say that the author had, had said that it was magical realism? Or- um. She, I think she kind of thinks, I I read a couple of interviews with her, and in one she said that her book was a fantasy, and she kind of, she said it, it, she phrased it in such a way, she's like, it's a fantasy, I guess it could be considered magical realism, as if she were just kind of acknowledging that other people could call it magical realism, Okay, okay. and then in another interview she referred to it as something that without the the well I guess you could sort of say kind of part she was like well I've written a book that could be magical realism and she left it at that so I think she kind of doesn't necessarily think of it that way but she knows that that's an easy way to describe it cool because I agree I don't think it is um (laughs) and So I'm glad that she was just acknowledging that, well, people will probably say this. Um, Or maybe that's the closest category she can think of to describe it. Because I was thinking, really, it was probably just, what, contemporary fantasy. Because if you took out them doing magic, it would have just been a contemporary book, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there wasn't really anything else to it to differentiate it from a contemporary in my mind. And I didn't feel like it was magical realism because they were like they were going and casting spells. They were doing it on purpose. And I feel like magical realism is when magic is just a part of life and you don't necessarily really notice it or acknowledge it. You know, like in the House of the Spirits or A Hundred Years of Solitude, it's just it's totally normal for your dead, you know, the ghost <laughs> of your dead great grandmother to just kind of wander in the house. And you're like, oh, whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm I, right there with I you. would agree with that. I think magical realism definitely makes it seem like magic is not a thing. And for these guys, 
magic is definitely a thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They are seeking it out. Yeah. And I think magic, in fact, that's one of the, the things that I kind of caught was that immediately they recognize magic and they're floored by it. And as somebody who, you know, reads a lot of fantasy stories, I don't think that I would necessarily have had the same reactions to magic that they would. Like, Meche realizes that magic exists, real magic, because a guy was mean to her, and she goes home, and she's listening to music and, like, dancing to her music and thinking, man, I wish something bad would happen to that guy, because he's always so mean to me. I wish he would just break his arm. And then he breaks his arm. Like, if it were me, I don't think that I would immediately say, hey, I did that with magic. I would... I think I would be like, you know, that's a really weird coincidence. Yeah. I was it would probably just hoping take, that would happen. Right. <laughs> so it would probably take a couple coincidences yeah. for you to maybe start pondering the idea. <laughs> yeah. Or at least, you know, I would be thinking about it for longer. Like she walked away and like five minutes later, she was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I did that. I was like, I don't think it would take me like five minutes. I think I'd probably be pondering that for like a day or so before I was like, wait a minute, did I do that? But I mean, so I guess jumping ahead a little, um, I think that's kind of in a personality. Like she wants that kind of attention. She wants to feel special. So she's finding these ways where it's like, well, I'm different from everybody else. You know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think she was quick to be like, I got magic. It was me. Yeah. Yeah. And it was definitely the strongest with her out of her and her two friends. Mm -hmm. Um, And we do learn later that her grandmother also performed magic in a different way with her sisters. So maybe something to do with just having that feeling there, Mm -hmm. or maybe the magic wanted to be found. And so, I don't know. Could be. I mean... Definitely later as they cast magic spells, they're, you know, they start to see, like, golden light around them and things like that. So maybe the magic is growing stronger in her. Maybe she always had it. We don't actually know. The magic was in her all along. (laughs) Which, you know, is kind of funny to say ought to because my next question is how do you feel about the main characters and especially Mitch? I don't think she's always a likable character, but does that matter? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> next question. So, wait, so, okay, so yes, it does matter or yes, she is an unlikable character. Both. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes to all the things. <laughs> yes to everything. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, she's definitely an unlikable main character. I, it didn't bother me that much, honestly. Um, it, well, I, uh, okay, I should say it didn't bother me when we were in the timeline where she was 15. Mm-hmm. When she was still acting that way as a full-blown adult, it's like, all right. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have the excuse of 15 anymore. Exactly. Yeah, and... Um. Somebody, this is another thing that they asked the author about in an interview about if she thought it was a problem that Meche was not like a likable, relatable character. 
And she was like, if Meche were a guy, this wouldn't be a question. And I'm not saying she's wrong, but for me, I really need at least one of my characters to be <laughs> likable. Yep. I was just so thinking, for me, it is a problem. I disagree with that, too. If it was a guy and he was like Meche, I'd be like, I don't like you either. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've read and recently I've read books with very unlikable male characters and it was a problem for me. <laughs> so, um, you know, I just I want to like people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I... I wondered, did she become more sympathetic over the course of the book? Like, clearly not over the course of her life, because at the beginning of the book, in her older timeline, she's definitely not very likable either. Yeah. Um, I I feel like I understand her. I understand where a lot of that hurt and um, came from. You know, she didn't have a great home life. I mean, her grandmother was cool, but, mm-hmm. you know, living with – talk about an unlikable person. Her mother was unlikable. Yeah, yeah, she was. Totally. Uh, and, you know, her father was absent and or, you know, just at the bar drinking most of the time. So I I get it, which I guess maybe is why I didn't mind it so much during the teenage timeline. Mm-hmm. But the girl can hold a grudge. <laughs> Yeah, she can. And, you know, I mean, I guess I I have some respect for that, you know, like sticking (laughs) to your guns and uh, (laughs) holding that grudge, man. (laughs) I think Um, my frustration is at the end of the book when it's in the present and, oh, man, what's her, what's the guy, Sebastian, right? Yeah. Okay. Um. And, like, they sleep together, okay? And then she, like, at at the very end, she changes her attitude. Like, I felt like that came on a little too late. Like, there really wasn't anything t- for me to see that she, her, she was changing her attitude, you know? Yeah, it felt forced. It yeah. didn't feel organic. Mm-hmm. But I also... If you couldn't tell, I did not care for that whole timeline at all. I would have rather this have just been a book set when they were teenagers. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like I got a lot from that adult uh, timeline. Yeah. A lot of it felt forced. Like um, her conversations with her mom over tea or lack of tea. Oh, yes. They're talking (laughs) about another book with tea. There's a lot of tea. I'm drinking tea at the moment. Have I not mentioned that 20 times yet? I'm drinking tea. <laughs> but do you have milk in it? You have to have milk this and This time there sugar. has to be milk in it. <laughs> I, I I do not drink my tea with milk. I apologize to everybody. <laughs> well, you're doing it wrong. milk in their tea. <laughs> Clearly. Well, I'll apologize to Meche or she's going to hold a grudge against you for three years. <laughs> um, oh, man. Yeah, she does. She holds a grudge and... I don't I don't know that all of it was deserved as part of the problem. And I've been thinking about the idea of her becoming sympathetic over the course of the book or not because I do understand her better at the end of the book and I I don't know that I like her a whole lot better. Right. But I'm wondering if I you know like her better at the end of the book because I like Sebastian better at the end of the book. <laughs> hmm, interesting. Yeah, I you think like Sebastian. I found him more sympathetic. <laughs> So I feel like actually 
a lot of it was pretty deserved. Mm-hmm. Um, when we finally are are told or shown what happened that made her like move away and not talk to them since the 80s and like just hate their guts i was like oh i kind of get it i mean so we find out and and i know we have we're we're jumping all over the place here but (laughs) the the way they that they cast these spells she uses the specific um uh like lp player i guess yeah uh, you know plays vinyl records and, uh, you know, and, and it's really interesting that only, you know, only specific songs, only specific albums are working for what they need. But then they also have to have something that they put their, I guess, their power source in. Mm-hmm. And um, Meche tells Sebastian that, oh, this particular record is my power source, which I, I think showed that she had a lot of trust in, in her friend and her best friend. Yeah. And then Especially later, since she set the rule. Right. That right. We're not talking about our power objects. Right. Mm-hmm. right. And so she's trusting him with this, and he betrays her trust later on and takes magic away from her and also takes this one spell that she wanted to make someone else fall in love with him when, when Meche was obviously very much in love with him. So, like, I totally get it. <laughs> yep. Why she, you know, she hates his guts. So I think it was pretty well deserved, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I think the anger was appropriate, but I think her personality is still like <laughs> a little uh, prickly, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah. I mean, it's a whole bunch of lack of communication, right? I mean, that's what happens yeah. at that age. So. True. Yeah. I, I get her anger. I get why he felt so hurt. But she was also keeping him at such arm's length that he just had no idea what was going on, you know? Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think the reason why I felt he was more sympathetic over the course is because he she doesn't actually tell him or Daniela the truth about why she wants this love record. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. She implies that she's going to use it to make another boy fall in love with her. Mm -hmm. And she does that knowing that Sebastian is in love with her. And then she also tries to kill Sebastian at one point. So when I think about the fact that, you know, he decided to take her power away from her. I feel like that's kind of understandable. Like, you tried to kill me with your magic. Maybe you shouldn't have magic if you're going to be murdering people. She she wasn't trying to murder him, though. She was just trying to hurt him. Yeah. She wanted him to, like, break an arm or something like she did to the bully. Mm -hmm. Have a bad accident or something. She wanted him to have a bad accident on a motorcycle. Like, a bad accident on a motorcycle can kill you. Of course, yes. So I, I eh. maybe the magic I, was I, I really feel like the specific. only reason he like it knew the line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know that she like. I don't know that she would have stopped, mm. or or if she, she could. You know, yeah, I mean, I think she she wouldn't necessarily have intended to do it, but I think she would have killed him. Mm. 
Um, well, I mean, that's kind of how we see it because her grandmother ends up finally stepping in. Yes. You know, maybe if she had taken more of a role in teaching Meche about the the way this magic works and the consequences, maybe some of this could have been avoided. Yeah. Yeah. And why do you think that is, that she doesn't get involved earlier? She clearly recognizes Mitch's magic early in the book. Why doesn't she get involved? I don't think I she mean, does. there's some... Oh, go ahead. Um, there's some throw, throwaway line that her grandmother makes about, oh, you know, she doesn't really remember as much because she hasn't done magic since she was a kid. And mm-hmm. it was her sister that was the one that was really good at it. But she could have at least talked to Meche about this more. Yeah. And I think also, like, I don't think her grandmother says much. Right? No, she does not. She she could be talking to her daughter, uh, right? Because that's... Mitch's mother's mother. It must be. Right? Yeah. That's what I'm assuming. So, like, Mitch's grandmother could have been talking to her daughter and been like, hey, what's going on with you and your husband? Like, you know, are you okay? Like, should we talk about this? I I don't know if she did any of that either. No. So, and I think that not talking just kind of blankets her whole home life you know that's true they do not seem to be a chatty family yeah it's one way of put well mitch's mom talks a lot well when she's home (laughs) i mean it's just this just the whole situation is Mm -hmm. is not good and it's just a perfect storm for all of these things to be happening right yeah and yeah, I I just I didn't know where I didn't know why her grandmother wasn't like saying a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Didn't kind of know why Meche, you know, Meche and Sebastian and Daniela, you know, they're good friends and they're doing magic together, but they also all keep secrets from each other. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't, I don't know. I spent a lot of this book. I keep saying kind of as a shrug emoji. <laughs> I, don't I don't know. Yep. Yeah. Um, pretty much. <laughs> for example, another thing I don't know, why do we spend so much time in Vicente's point of view? Vicente is Meche's father, and there's a lot of parts of the book that take place from his point of view, his perspective. Why are we doing that? <laughs> why this? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I'm I not mean... saying I disliked it. I actually liked a lot of Vicente's parts more than I liked things like... Meche in 2009. Mm-hmm. But why? Was the author just trying to make him more sympathetic? Like, are we supposed to feel bad about this alcoholic father who, like, you know, pretty much leaves his daughter's life when she's, what, 15, 16? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know either. I mean, that's and the I kind only of wondered at one think point. About or think of. Yeah, I wondered at one point if maybe he had magic. Hmm. And, you know, because they do talk about how he was different when he was younger. And, you know, he was very successful with his music and being on the radio. And then he and he was sure he was going to write this amazing book. And then somehow the book never seemed to come out right. I was like, so maybe he had magic and he, you know grew older and the magic ran out because that is one thing that 
Mitch's grandmother says is that, you know, magic is for the young. I don't know what that's supposed to mean if like, your magic just <laughs> dies when you're like, oh, sorry, you hit 30 or whatever. Like, <laughs> it's only for new adults. <laughs> <laughs> it's new adult magic. <laughs> you, um, you know, a thought came to me um, is – I wonder the only reason Vicente was mentioned is because of the book he was writing, because Mecha discovers it later on in his apartment. So the author wanted the reader to know that this was an ongoing thing that he was supposedly working on. And then look, Mecha found it like scattered and here and there, but it's here, you know? Yeah. Or, or maybe it was supposed to make us like, care at all about that whole 2009 timeline where she's going through her dad's records and apartment and like trying to clean things up after he dies yeah i i don't know yeah, yeah. i don't know if and then i wonder the whole section you know or segment. yeah i well i wondered and if they were supposed to like balance each other you know the way vicente missed so many opportunities you know he wanted to run away and live by the beach and finish his book and you know play his music and he missed various opportunities to do these things and I wondered if it was supposed to reflect Mecha's some of Mecha's missed opportunities and some of the opportunities she could still grab Mm. because at the time at the time of her father's death she is I think she says she's the same age as he would have been when she was casting magic spells Mm. okay Okay. So yeah. I wondered if those two things were supposed to reflect. It's possible, yeah. Maybe. But I like I just couldn't I could not figure that out because those are two different ways of wasting opportunities, obviously. Um maybe and I feel like Vicente Vicente's missed opportunities are sad in a way that Mitch's aren't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, and also a lot of the, a lot of the idea of Vicente wasting his life and, you know, his breaking up his marriage by cheating on his wife and drinking too much and stealing their money and running away kind of almost changes the, the genre of the book itself like in that sense it does seem like a much more contemporary book than it seems like a fantasy book like that seems Mm. much more real this is these are things that happen right Hmm. so i don't know (laughs) yeah i feel like she has these ideas that she puts in the book but then later on they kind of peter out yeah it doesn't go anywhere really yeah. i don't know and more shrug can emoji. i just say yeah shrug <laughs> emoji and that i hated the last chapter <laughs> please tell us about that and meredith uh, i don't believe meredith rent me i this. mean uh, <laughs> uh, okay so i mean i guess it's supposed to be somewhat of an epilogue but it it ends in the current timeline the 2009 timeline and like um Meche and Sebastian are going to work things out and give it a shot and blah, blah, blah. And and they had just had a conversation about, oh, well, do you remember when we first met? And he's like, 
yeah, you called me a horse face and offered me chips on your porch steps and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so, like, they had just gone over how they had met, and they have this nice ending. And then I, you know, I flip the page on my Kindle, assuming that the thing will pop up with, how did you like this? Rated on Amazon, blah, blah, blah. And then there was another chapter. And I was like, son of a... Of how they met. (laughs) Not even just an extra chapter. (laughs) Which they just told us. And it was terrible. And okay, I'm sorry. I've got to read the the sentences just so (laughs) you readers out there who have not read this can understand my frustration. So how I thought the book was ending and how I think it should have ended. um, (laughs) (laughs) So... She twined her fingers into his hair and smiled against his lips. Want to see the northern lights this weekend, she asked. Sure. It's about time. I was like, oh, that was kind of cute, even though I didn't really care about this timeline, right? (laughs) And then suddenly, we're thrown back into 1984. And this is how the book apparently ends. They sit together and watch the world go by. Deep down, they know one fine morning they'll run away together to a place where the sun shines at midnight. (laughs) Like, are you kidding me? Uh, (laughs) I I was just like, gag me with a spoon. (laughs) (laughs) There was some eye rolling on my part, so... (laughs) You know, I do think, like, it's a cute idea to try and bring it full circle, but I... You know, I have to agree with you that it's not super necessary, especially those last couple of lines. Like, we just saw that they were going to go see the Northern Lights Mm -hmm. and where the sun, you know, the sun shines Shines at midnight or whatever. Yeah, I just, no. And normally I'm okay with epilogues, which is what I'm assuming this was supposed to kind of be. Um, I just... I don't know why I'm having such a visceral, visceral reaction to it, but I did not like it. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't great. It wasn't great. Like that whole yeah. chapter could have just been cut out and it would have been fine. You know? Yeah. It, right. it really probably would have. Yep. All right. I'm going to ask you a fun question now before we wrap this up. Oh, really? Okay. Let's hear it. Yes. What would your power object be? Casting magic, what would your power object be? We do not have actual magic, so you can trust us oh, and the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> so I was thinking about this, and because you know, I like to craft, I like to work with my hands. Um, my main craft is I like to quill, which is the art of uh, paper curling. It's like, well, that's like more of like a doing. It's not an object. It's like, well, duh, paper. <laughs> it's like. I think paper would be my power object, just like in the paper magician. <laughs> yeah. Which I still need to finish that. It's I still okay. need to read that. It's cute. <laughs> it's, okay. it's cute. <laughs> the ending <Yeah>. is better. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I mean, that's not that hard to do, but. Uh... <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't the bar has I mean... been set now. <laughs> Is it cliche to say it would probably be some book, like a favorite book of mine, or maybe, I don't know, maybe some sheet music of a song I like that I, you know, I sing? Oh, that's I don't not know. cliche. I think that's lovely. So you're like, so basically, like your voice is your power. Aww. Ooh. 
Am I like the Little Mermaid? Yes. That's what I was just thinking. I was like, ooh, and then I was like, wait, this could go horribly wrong. No, okay, Be so you're a siren. That. There you go. <laughs> I'd be okay with that. Beware of sea witches. I'm just saying. <laughs> Always read the contracts. <laughs> the fine print. <laughs> How about you, Jeanette? Any thoughts on that? Um, I thought about you know what would you know be very important to me. What be um, something that my power could come from. And I also like my first thought would be like a copy of my favorite book or something like that. Um, and there are a couple of books that over the years I've basically traveled everywhere with. So maybe one of those or the other thing I've traveled with all of like across my life is my teddy bear. Aww. Yeah. Aww. Which sounds ridiculous, but no. um, my cousin gave me this bear um, shortly after my mom died and has basically been my comfort thing since then. So Aww. over 20 years now. So I think that's um, lovely. So maybe that would be my power object because, yeah. you know, the teddy bear has all my feelings and my secrets. Aww. So, Aww. That's really sweet. Yeah. It's got, it's a, it's, it's got Care Bear powers. See? <laughs> be tender okay, heart. Don't, don't cry on me now we gotta so wrap though. this up <laughs> so did you like the book it, it was alright think about this I mean, I mean it was alright <laughs> I mean uh, I gotta I mean, be honest were... I myself I was kind of like eh there were things about it I liked mm-hmm. yes. overall kind of eh yeah. Yep. Yep. Very, a lot of shrug emoji again. <laughs> yep. That's. I'm trying to think of anything else, but it's like, no, that's that sums it up really well, right there. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately. Oh well. Yep. It's okay. On to the next book, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. Which is the Seven Husbands of. Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid, which I've been wanting to read. I've been seeing a lot on Litzy, so I'm really excited that you picked this one, Mare. Yeah, it should be good. Uh, I've heard it's it's a little scandalous and just uh, kind of interesting where the the story goes. And I don't really know what genre it would be considered, but uh, we'll we'll see if we can figure it out as we read it. <laughs> We can we can categorize books with our own genres. <laughs> there we go. Let's categorize them with our feelings. Exactly. <laughs> and so if you're interested in finding the links for the articles about the genres or any of the books that we've talked about, check out our show notes at eclecticreaders.fireside.fm slash 60. And if you want to talk to us some more about genres or anything else, you can find us on Twitter at Eclectic Read Pod or on Litzy at Eclectic Readers. And ladies, where can our listeners find you on the internet? Well, people can find me on Goodreads, Twitter, and Litzy at Rudy Kaicho. That's R-U-R-I underscore K-A-I-C-H-O-U. Jeanette? 
on Goodreads and Litzy. You can find me at J-M-T-R-I-V-E-R-A. That's J-M-T Rivera. And on Twitter, you can find me at Dr. Jeanette, D-R-J-E-A-N-N-E-T-T-E. How about you, Mayor? So you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Litzy, Goodreads, all under Mare the Book Gal, M-E-R-E-T-H-E-B-O-O-K-G-A-L. Now, please remember to subscribe to us in your favorite podcatcher so you never miss an episode, especially, you know, when this comes out, there's going to be four more episodes coming mm-hmm. out the same week, and you don't want to miss them. They were so much fun. And please take some time to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, it will definitely help other people find us, and it'll make us feel good. And if you leave us a nice review, we might read it on an episode. <laughs> so let's shelve this until next month. Bye. Bye. Bye.